The Late Seating Podcast is brought to you by The Finch Files, stories from San Francisco and beyond. In The Finch Files, longtime radio reporter Peter Finch and his friends hit the streets of the San Francisco Bay Area looking for interesting stories to tell. The Finch Files is available on the internet as a podcast. Just go to finchfiles.net and voila, you're there. Or you could go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or MixCloud and search for Peter Finch. The Finch Files. Stories from San Francisco and beyond. Hello, Let Me Listen podcast listeners. Would you like this part of the podcast to be filled with ads for shaving clubs or underwear clubs or web hosting sites? Yeah, I didn't think so. Neither do we. So this is just a quick announcement to let you know that after several requests from fans, um, Let Me Listen podcast has opened a Patreon page. So if you would like to help support this show and um, some of the other shows that uh, Let Me Listen podcast produces, then please go to patreon.com slash lemme underscore listen and make a pledge or just click the Patreon link on the Let Me Listen website. We're only asking for $1 a month, and the funds will go to making these podcasts better and ad-free. If you can't or just don't want to, don't worry about it. We still love you, and uh, thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show we take a classic, or a well-known film, because I wouldn't say that today's film is necessarily a classic, and we give it a fresh review, see if it holds up under the weight of time, and uh, what else weighs down a film? Hubris <laughs> and uh, fan acclaim. And today's film is so hubristic, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's full of humor, <laughs> chock full of hubris. That's how they sold the film back in the eighties. <laughs> so full of itself. This time around, we're gonna take a look at a classic film about the dissatisfaction of youth and how hard it is in the United States to strive for what you think you deserve. We're going to take a look at the last Starfighter, and that's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. A little info about The Last Starfighter. It was released in 1984, directed by Nick Castle, um, produced by Gary Adelson and Edward O. Denault. Denault? Denault? Close enough for me. Den whatever, it's French. Written by Jonathan R. Butel, or Betuel. Steve, help me. Bet Betchel? Right. B-E-T-U-E-L. Aren't there any Americans in this damn movie? Yeah, jeez. Starring Lance Guest, Dance go. Dan O'Herlihy, Catherine Mary Stewart, and Robert Preston. Music by Craig Saffin. Cinematography by maybe the best name ever, King Baggett. <laughs> There's a name. He was born to be more than a cinematographer with that name. <laughs> yeah, man. Edited by Carol Timothy O'Meara. Produ uh, produced by Lorimar Productions, distributed by Universal Pictures. Um, it runs 101 minutes. It's probably the shortest movie we've ever reviewed uh, on this show. Blessedly so. 
Oh, yay. In fact, it's one of the reasons why we picked it. We're like, oh, <laughs> wait, we did Titanic. We did, uh, and then we did Gone with the Wind. That's that's almost half a day. We're never getting back. <laughs> We're not doing it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> its budget was $15 million, and its box office in North America, because I can't find any numbers for it worldwide, was $28 million, so it made its money back. It wasn't... Uh, a smash hit by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but it is well remembered by many people who are alive during the 80s. I don't know if it's really grabbed a whole new generation of audiences for a couple of real good reasons, <laughs> but uh, I remember it. It was a date movie for me. Do you remember it, Steve? Yeah, I uh, I was a little young when it came out originally for it to be a date movie, but I discovered it on home video when I was a kid. And, you know, I remember it very well. And did you did you fall in love with it? I, sort of, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> and there's our review. <laughs> I mean, you know, we sort of liked it. It was yeah, it was on, and I was <laughs> bored. And my parents wouldn't let me go outside because they thought I was going to get kidnapped. And I didn't like video games, but I found this movie, and it was all right, I guess it's better than picking my navel for two hours. Yeah, well, let's just keep going with that. We're not even going to recap the plot. Should we recap the plot? Let's just talk about all the things that we probably did as kids that were more entertaining. Oh, yeah. Throwing rocks into a creek. <laughs> Torturing crawdads. Wow. Staring at birds. I did torture. <laughs> Staring at birds. Technically, we went out and we fed crawdads. We, we, we would uh, uh, get a stick and we would get string. And then we would tie pieces of raw bacon at the end of the string, and we put it in the creek and try to lure the crowdad to take it. And then if it grabbed on, we tried to yank him out of the thing, and then we had no idea what to do with the crowdad that we just got out of the water. <laughs> We're like, great, we caught, we caught a, a creek bug. Now what do we do with it? I suppose we could eat it. <laughs> I didn't torture animals. You eat the Much. tail and suck the head. Look, the... This forward part of the show is going to take a really dark turn into my childhood, and I don't want to go there. <laughs> Let's recap the plot before people find out horrible things about me. You want to do that, Steve? Sure. Yeah, we don't want them to find okay. out what a psychopathic little kid you were. I said, I played with my Star Wars action figures. Granted, I did, uh, for whatever reason, Star Wars... Um, they had lots of Chewbacca's, so uh, as gifts I would get lots of Chewbacca's. You know, like, I had, like, nine Chewbacca's at one point because every grandparent would go, Oh, you like that Star Wars thing? Here's a Chewbacca. Um, I only needed one. <laughs> so the other Chewbacca's died horrible, horrible deaths. I was Sid in Toy Story <laughs> with a with a small army of Chewbacca's that I didn't care how they died. One got blown up with fireworks. Another one got dragged behind the car. It, and one... <laughs> One got wrapped in bologna, and I tried to feed it to my grandmother's dog. It was not good. You know, if a few Chewbacca's have to be sacrificed for a young person to, you know, discover the creative joys of childhood, so much... You try to tell that to young people now. When you try to explain them, we didn't have video games or YouTube or the computer to entertain ourselves. We took action figures and nearly killed our pets with them. (laughs) We didn't have podcasts. Ah, all right, let's do the recap. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. We're, we're gonna do. We're it. gonna recap okay, the good. plot of this film now. Okay, and as always, spoilers. I mean, the movie is what more than 20, like, yeah. 30 years old. Yeah, it's oh, it's point. thirty years old. Yeah, 
Uh, don't, man. That hurts. Uh. It's a, really hurts me. But, hey, let's go down memory lane. Maybe this movie will cheer me up. Yeah. Remembering it. It probably okay. will. Okay, ready? Yeah. Okay, so we open the movie with um, traveling through space as the titles go by, because that's what you do in a movie that has space stuff in it, right? You, you travel through space, and you go through a time warp and a thing, and then we land in a mobile home park, which is not where I thought I'd be in this movie about space things and something named The Last Starfighter, but we're in the Starlight, Starbright mobile home park, the most awesome not depressing mobile home park ever put to screen or has ever existed. It is not full of angry drunks or people on their last legs. In fact, it, it's amazing to me that they have such a, a close-knit community that is established in this mobile home park. It, it, I don't think I've ever seen a mobile home park where people are just so okay with shouting at each other all the, all the time. It seems like an awesome summer camp that just never ends. <laughs> it is. And it's in this mobile home park that we're introduced to a lot of characters that go unnamed. There's Granny and and uh, someone who needs to watch her soaps and uh, old magic Negro and who else is <laughs> that? It? Is his actual name, by the way? That is a trope. I don't. I can't. What was his name? Ginty, Gummy, Ginty. <laughs> I don't know what his name was. Do you remember? I don't know. I don't remember. He's the one that gives sage advice, kind of, but could also be crazy because I think he only wears a bathrobe throughout the entire show. Right? Do the whole movie? He's just. Or is am I just remembering? I think he has. I think he has clothes on for some of it. <clears throat> okay, but he's the one that gives out advice. Like when you see something that you want, you gotta grab onto it with both hands and stuff like that. Stuff that becomes important and, thematically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and we're introduced to the mobile home manager, which is mom. D- does she have a name? Did they name her? Oh, I don't think... Or is she just Alex's mom? <laughs> She's just mom. Okay, Alex's mom. I'll tell, explain who Alex is in a bit. Alex's mom, who is the manager of the mobile home park, but also works double shifts as a waitress. So one of them jobs ain't paying very good. I think she You'd needs think to raise that... the rent on those mobile home people. Well, it's obvious she's not paying for Alex's school because uh, one of the very first things that happens is that Alex is trying to get a lo- Oh, we got Alex. Oh, God. He's Alex. he's disenchanted okay. with his surroundings. Alex, Alex is a young man who's no longer in high school who is kind of like the Mr. Fix-It around the Starlight Starbright, right? Yeah. Because everyone's always asking him to fix stuff and, and he feels that he, he needs to do these things and he's being put upon because Alex Alex has got great big dreams um, like playing a, a video game one of the stand up arcade video games called Starfighter that uh, they decided to put outside which is a really great way to destroy a video game <laughs> console by the way it has a waterproof cabinet oh does Obviously. it well yeah we, we later learn out it's from space so it could probably survive yeah. anything it also has magic disguise removing powers. We'll, we'll get to that too. <laughs> this this thing should have just turned into a robot and taken him there, but no. Anyway, oh, but before we meet Alex, we meet his girlfriend Maggie. 
Remember yeah. Maggie's the one that we she's walking around saying hi to everyone, saying hi to her granny and oh she's gonna go on a picnic and she's gonna they're like, Hey, where's Alex? Where's that what's Alex doing? Everyone needs Alex, 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 Alex. Alex is up playing this uh the arcade machine called Starfighter where you you where you shoot uh guns at ships and score points. For you youngsters, uh, a stand-up arcade machine was something that we did before we had stuff at the house where you just sat in front of it. Um, it's like, a, okay, it's let me put it this way. It's like a less convenient home video game console that you had to go to and pay incrementally for about two minutes worth of gameplay. Yeah. And Alex is playing this thing, and he's really, really good at it. And... Um, uh, she comes up and says, "Hey, Alex, remember we're going to the we're going on a picnic with our friends." And he's like, "Oh yeah, okay, fine." But before they can go, the friends show up in a truck. Before they can go, he's got to check the mail because he's waiting for a loan. Yeah, because he wants to go to college and get out of that one yeah. horse trailer park. Yeah, because um, one of the first things that Alex ju- does is Alex likes to judge his friends. Where he's looking through there and he's like, Oh yeah, well I ain't staying around here to polish my truck. I'm 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 due for bigger and better things. Not like you scuzzy mobile home people. I'm gonna be Mr. Big Shot. You dirt people, you're gonna be I you don't know. Why don't you drink more beer, losers? And they're like, Okay, uh you keep dreaming. <laughs> you can still come to the uh, beach with us if you want. <laughs> But he, they're going to the, the lake. lake. Whatever, beach lake. Yeah, There's water yeah. somewhere nearby. But before Alex can uh, rejoin all of his friends that he just insulted to their face, <laughs> he has to, he has to go back and fix everybody's stuff. He's he's basically George Bailey. He's very dissatisfied with his life, and he feels like he has all of these responsibilities, and he's going to get. Stuck in this trailer park forever. Yeah, he's he's pretty much the protagonist from any Bruce Springsteen song in the eighties. <laughs> so he goes. Uh, it's the that night, and he is you know bored and staring at foreshadowing that's up on his ceiling, which <laughs> is a little planet mobile. And uh, he decides, I'm going to escape this mundane life by I'm going to go play that video game some more. And he goes up to the video game and he starts beating it. He's getting like a super high score. And apparently, a person beating a video game is so exciting that the entire mobile home park eventually surround him (laughs) and cheer him on while he's playing. It was a simpler time. Yeah, I guess. And so he beats it. Yay! And everyone cheers and they're like, woohoo! And uh, he goes home with his girlfriend, and then his mom comes home and goes, Hey, uh, that loan you wanted for college, uh, you didn't get it. But you can always go to City College. But Alex? Alex is too good for City College. It's very apparent that he doesn't want to go to City College with all the dirt people. He specifically says He was says destined so. for... <laughs> yeah, he says... I ain't going to City College. Go. I ain't doing what other people do because I'm special. My name is Alex Rogan. I'm better than everybody else. Me, me, me. And then he leaves. (laughs) And all his dreams come true. The end. (laughs) And then he has all of his egotistical ideas about himself confirmed. (laughs) End of movie. (laughs) He he goes up and he notices that the... uh, 
the arcade machine is acting on wonky. It's like uh, repeating things over and over again, and it's like lighting up, and it seems broken. And then um, a space car shows up. Well, it's, it, it looks it's a car, but I mean, it could be a DeLorean. It kind of looks like a De- DeLorean, mm-hmm. right? Yes, very much it so. It could be, but it, I mean, basically, it's a space car, and out pops um, Centauri. Harold Hill's the name. Uh, Harold, <laughs> oh my boy. <laughs> And he's like, hey, uh, uh, you beat the game. And he's like, yeah. Get in my car. What? Just get in my car. You don't. It's okay. I know. I'm flamboyant. <laughs> I'm wearing a nice... Cl- look, I got a nice fedora hat on. I've got this weirdo car. Get in it. And Alex is like, okay. I'm Alex Rogan. I can survive anything. I'm awesome. I'm going to get in the car. Nothing bad's going to happen to me because I'm Alex Rogan, destined for great things. Alex doesn't like, care yeah. about stranger danger. <laughs> So he gets in the car, and he's like, uh, and, and Centauri is like, oh, shake hands with this uh, shadowy figure that's next to, uh, to to you. And he's like, oh, hello. And he gets a Joker handshake. You know, the sparks come off him, and the shadowy figure leaves the car. And instead of going, what the fuck was that all about? All of a sudden, <laughs> Centauri's driving off at super high speed at 303 miles an hour, as confirmed by the, uh, sp- the, the speed gun off of two sleeping police officers. And Satari's kind of like, hey, I'm not going to tell you what's going on on purpose. It's just you you pass this thing, and I'm going to make it a surprise, and it's going to be super fun. And oh, look, the car's flying now. (laughs) (laughs) Because he presses a button, and the space car turns into a bad special effect. And then it flies off the planet. Steve, I've been talking. You do it. <laughs> it does. Uh, I handled all the Earth shit. Look, you the, do the space shit. The special effects. I mean, you know, it was the eighties. Anyway, uh, that's not an excuse. Yeah, I know. And you I know, know I'm sorry. So anyway, so yeah, the 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 the, the, <laughs> the car turns into a spaceship, and they're flying through space. And mm-hmm. uh, Alex is just kind of. I would like to say it kind of turns into a spaceship. It, like little doors open, and there's like rocket boosters in the back, and then it just flies up in the air. Hey, it, it, it gets through space, doesn't it? Worst transformer ever. <laughs> it's like, oh look, with two doors open in the back, and now it can fly. Because that's how science it works. It turns into a slightly different kind of car. What do you think, kids? <laughs> This toy sucks! No, it's great, see? Now you can make it fly in the air. You're just flying a car! You ungrateful little bastard. Go to your room. This is why I don't get you things. You don't appreciate them. Right. Okay, so anyway, so they fly through space, and um, they they travel to another planet. It's a planet called Rylos. And right. Wait a minute! Oh, did I miss something? Centauri has to take his face oh, that's off right. for oh, no oh, reason. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> That's right. They're... He does it for no reason. Yeah. And apparently all he has to do is just wipe his face with a rag. Cause what he... It's the greatest magic trick ever. Yeah, he, he pulls his face off and he he's some kind of lizard man. He looks like one of yeah. the aliens from V, kind of. Uh, he looks like one of the aliens from uh, from the cantina on Tatooine. Yeah, he kind of, you know, with the, the, the eyes, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh, I guess I'll put this back on now. So he puts his Robert Preston <laughs> face back on. For no reason, since I'm traveling to an alien planet, to a place where everyone knows I'm an alien, but apparently they also know me in this human disguise. which I will keep Um, on for the rest of the film (laughs) and never take off one more time. Again, how does everyone know what I look like in my human disguise, considering that I've probably never worn it before, except on Earth? 
Look, doesn't matter. it's obvious that Centauri <laughs> is a big Music Man fan, and he patterned his appearance after the great Robert Preston. After Robert Preston. So, you know, he wants to get as much mileage out of the Robert Preston costume, which is quite convincing, I have to say, as yeah, he can. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he's an alien, and Alex is like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's weird. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then they land on this planet, Rylos, and they get out of the DeLorean, and, yep. and everybody's speaking a weird language, and Centauri's yeah. speaking kind of a funny language when he's talking to like the, the control tower, I guess, when he's ready to fly in for a landing. And Alex mm-hmm. can't understand anything anybody's saying, but there are all these aliens around, and they look mostly like humans, but they're kind of, they ha- they're bald, they all have male pattern baldness. They have great big butt heads. Yeah. They have great big, huge, well, it's not a butt, it's more like um, they have knee heads. <laughs> like they have a big knee for a forehead, and they all have monk haircuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Does that make more yeah. sense? Yeah, and they're wearing kind of like drab, gray, you know, sort of sci-fi-looking uniforms. Yeah, whatever they had at the Universal Costume Department, they're like, hey, we had these left over from something, yeah. some yeah. TV show. The medical technicians wore these in the background on Star Trek The Motion Picture. Because the... the <laughs> here's the thing. Um, when they're filming in the mobile home park and everything else... Um, that had a certain realistic quality to it. It was well shot as well. It was, you know, obviously they were shooting on location. It had a kind of, I wouldn't say realistic, but I mean, it, it felt like someone went in and there was a set designer. When we arrive in the space parts, it really does feel like they went into the attic at Universal and said, what do we have that sciency and spacey shit? Like, do we have, like, uniforms and sets and props? And they're like, yeah, Star Trek, all the way to the yeah. back. You go back there, whatever you find, throw in your movie. Got it. <laughs> Sweet. There is, a, there is a, a tonal shift between the fairly realistic mobile home park and the, oh, I'm in a 70s space TV show now. Yeah. And it's it's weird because I mean when when you get to the parts where you know he's he's in outer space and he's in the Star Trekky stuff, it's like the opposite mm-hmm. of what usually happens in a Star Trek movie. In a Star Trek movie, all the futuristic Star Trekky stuff feels relatively legitimate and authentic. And then when they go yeah. like to Earth, all of a sudden Earth is like the phoniest place in the world. It's like have these? Yeah, it feels like a backlog, yeah, like, which it have is. Have they ever even have the people who I know the people who made this movie have been to Earth? How can it feel this wrong? Um, mm-hmm. But with the last Starfighter, it's exactly the opposite um so yeah. he's he finds himself on rylos he's surrounded by all these aliens in in cast off star trek uniforms and mm-hmm. and he learns that basically the premise of the video game that he loved starfighter is the reality of this world there really is yeah. a a codan empire there really is mm-hmm. a, a star league and a frontier that needs to be defended against invaders yeah. led by this guy named zor who is like a, a an intergalactic cult leader type of person uh, hey, wait a minute! That you're doing the job of a- ambassador exposition, uh, yeah. who shows up to tell everybody everything that's going on <laughs> for for the benefit of the one new guy, which is nice, you know. Yeah, they give they give Alex a, a, a uniform and a little translator thingy, and they sit him down with what appears to be the rest of the cantina yes. from from Star Wars, who have all been drafted into the Star League. That's the name of the organization, the Star League. They thought long and hard. <laughs> they really, you know, it was really neck and neck with Nebula League or Galaxy League. <laughs> or Space but League. Star League, yeah. They didn't want to overcomplicate it because some people didn't know what a Nebula was. So they said, you know, well, everyone knows what stars are. So it's Star League. That's what we're going to name it. 
And we're also going to make our. Uh, we're also going to have only one base in all of the Star League, where we keep everything and everyone. I sure hope our enemy doesn't attack this base. This movie, as we progress through this, it's going to become very clear that Alex Rogan is recruited to save the universe from itself yes. because they're everyone is dumber than a box of hair in space <laughs> and this is one of the reasons why the, um one of the reasons why is yes the star league is uh i guess like a military organization u.n sure. Feder- weak weak sauce federation yeah kind of there deal. are apparently many many worlds that are members yes Yes, the tentacle-faced dude and the crazy crab dude and uh, a guy that's, like, dark blue with lines across his face, I think. And, and uh, they uh, they apparently, it, you have to have a gift to be a starfighter. Um, and by the way, being a starfighter basically means you, you you shoot guns good. Yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. And and Alex discovered... You had, I didn't realize you had to have a gift to they shoot guns good. They should have recruited from Texas or some shit. <laughs> oh, that's all those guys do. They would have gotten sick. They would have gotten sick of Centauri. We got another one? <laughs> this is 900 so far. I told you that video game in Dallas would pay dividends, my good boy. So the ambassador ambassador exposition, I don't know what his name is. He's like, hey, here's the deal. Um, we set up this impossibly large force field around all of the Star League planets. You know, something that's maybe a couple billion light years <laughs> big, considering how big it would have to be to cover several different star systems. <laughs> and uh, it's like a force field, and it keeps uh, bad guys out. And, oh, there are bad guys who want to get us. And they're called the Kodan Armada yeah. Empire. Kodan Empire. Empire. And they're they're bad. But thankfully, we got you guys. All eight of you. All eight of you against an Armada. Did I say Armada? They're an Armada. <laughs> there are like literally like eight to twelve people who are quote unquote starfighters, along with Alex. And uh, apparently, they're the greatest warriors ever to sit in a spaceship and shoot guns in the, and that's what the whole video game was, was kind of like, um, a test to see if Alex qualified. And I guess also that when you put your quarter in, you, uh, didn't know you were signing away your rights and being recruited into an intergalactic space police agency that probably was going to get you killed do you, and also run by more. Do you think, do you think, just, do you think the Starfighter arcade game had that opening screen that said winners don't do drugs? It just, yeah, but no one reads that. It does. No one read the opening thing where it said, "By depositing twenty five cents, you have volunteered to fight in a war that you know nothing yeah. about." Oh, and 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 the video game was Centauri's idea. That was his yeah, scheme yeah, to to recruit people, and I guess he gets like a finder's fee or something. He gets a little kickback. Yeah, he gets paid for find. Yeah, he gets a, he gets these little D and D dice that he thinks are really valuable. They pay him in little D and D dice. And, um, oh, but before Ambassador, uh, well, before Amb- Ambassador Exposition finishes, Alex runs off and he's like, hey, I didn't sign up for this. I mean, I know I'm special and everything and I'm number one and I'm going to be great and I'm due for great things, but uh, I don't like personal risk. This is awesome. Awful. <laughs> no. And, and, and is like, hey, everyone wants to be a Starfighter. What are you fucking crazy? They're like the rock stars of the whole galaxy. Everybody wants to be one. Um, and it's not dangerous. And he meets, 
he meets a, a, a turtle reptile dude named Grig, who's like, hey, uh, for eons, everyone's wanted to be starfighters. And I went, for eons? For, wait, for eons? People have wanted to be the spaceship shooty guy? Has your technology not progressed for eons? They reached a nice, comfortable plateau, and they decided to just let it ride. For, for eons! eons. They're like, we're, we're not progressing any far. We, we built our wall around ourselves, and we <laughs> We got our spaceships. We got the gun stars. I'm really starting to question this society that he's, he's been asked to join. They, their, their main weapon is called a gun star. Their greatest heroes are called starfighters. Um, one of the weapons that's produced is called the Death Blossom, and when the Ambassador Exposition is doing his little thing, everyone starts breaking into a chant. What was it? Victory or death? Yes. And I'm kind of like, are they are they Nazis? Are they like a more inclusive space Nazis? Everything that they talk about is about death, fighting, or or killing. And Alex is kind of like, oh wait, Centauri is kind of like, hey, you don't want to leave. This is, this is awesome. You'll be great. And then. Uh-oh. The villain shows up. Well, not the villain. Um, they get invaded by uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. <laughs> a giant... A big floating a head. Gi- a big floating holographic head shows up. And that's Zur, who is the son of uh, Ambassador Exposition, apparently. Yeah. And uh, he's a little cuckoo brains. He is wonderfully overplayed. <laughs> And I do mean this. Is, I'm saying this right now. If he had tried to play this role straight, this movie would have fallen yeah. apart, and I would not have been paying any attention to him. He goes full on. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if I work again after this movie comes out. <laughs> he is dripping with old school evil all throughout this movie, and it helps matters because he's a, a gigantic holographic head. <laughs> if you got a gigantic holographic head, you need him to be, you know, the most over-the-top megalomaniacal evil <laughs> that you could possibly imagine. And, man, if that was the checklist for this character, they needed to check that off five times, because they got it. Nailed it. So Zor shows up, and he's like, Hi, I'm crazy, and I hate all you, and I'm gonna be Emperor of Rylos. And another thing. Here's something I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you when I'm gonna attack. Doesn't that sound smart? I wanna re... I just want to reinforce that apparently the galaxy is run by idiots. Because not only do the good guys on Rylos keep all of their defenses in one place on one planet, (laughs) but the villains arbitrarily announce when they're going to attack. Oh, by the way, I'm going to attack when the moon is in eclipse. So, time to prepare and stuff, I guess. Um... Bye. <laughs> well, he kills somebody too, right? He hasn't he. Oh yeah, he's like, oh yeah, we caught your spy. We're gonna melt his head off. Watch, and then they melt some guy's head off, and it's gross. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> Alex is like, yeah, I'm definitely out of here, though. Yeah, and Alex is like, how am I gonna be special in number one? How is Mister gonna destined for great things gonna be able to do that if I'm all dead? No, send me home. I want to go home. And everyone's kind of disappointed, and Centauri doesn't get his money, and he's kind of put out and. It's nice of Centauri to give Alex a ride back to Earth personally, though, instead of just putting him in a cab or something. Yeah. I thought that was classy. I honestly, I, I honestly think that since Alex was too good for the mobile home park and too good for City College, 
Alex honestly believes that he's too good for the Star League. <laughs> I'm going to hold out for a better offer. I'm sorry. I'm going to wait for the Federation <laughs> now, to call. To Zor's credit, he did show up and just tell them when he was going to attack, which is something that you just don't do in, in battle. You just don't arbitrarily announce the exact moment that you're going to launch your attack. But to his credit, maybe he did that knowing full well that the reaction from the Star League would be nothing? Not quick, let's dispatch as many ships as possible to find out if maybe they're trying to break in through the gigantic shield wall. No, 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 no. They just go, nah, that guy doesn't. He'll never break through the shield wall, ever. Nah, what were we doing? Um, oh, right. Hey, uh, we're great. Uh, victory or death, right? Yeah. In the meantime, well, we overlooked something. A couple of things. We keep going back to the B plot, which I'm also going to call, at this point, the beta oh. plot. And the reason I'm calling it the beta plot is because, remember that shadowy figure that uh, shook hands with Alex and there was sparks and the Joker handshake and then he got out of the car? Turns out he was a robot that uh, took some of his DNA or something and now he's a replicant of Alex to so that people don't I don't know why this was important to Centauri in any way shape or form but <laughs> he needed to replace Alex so that no one would freak out and look for him I guess maybe Centauri was afraid that the humans would become so concerned over the disappearance of this 18-year-old boy that they would launch vehicles into space to come find him. They would invent planetary travel. (laughs) There was no reason to replace Alex at all whatsoever. He could have easily go, oh, I'm going to throw this note out the window. And the note said, leaving forever. So long, suckers, uh, Alex. And that would have been fine. People would have gone, oh, well, yeah, he's been talking about how he hates <laughs> that us. That was definitely Alex, yeah. <laughs> but no, he's got to leave a robot that looks exactly like Alex behind for... It, so reasons. that so that the robot can jeopardize Alex's relationship with his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. So... I also forgot to mention Lewis at the beginning of this. Lewis is a little boy who at the beginning of the movie we're introduced to as he walks around with a space helmet on, arbitrarily shooting people with a dart gun. Um, Lewis is a creep. (laughs) (laughs) He's a nine-year-old boy that has a collection of playboys somehow. And he's re- and he's really gr- there's a gross scene where he's like rifling through him and he's looking for a particular one, yeah. so that he can engage his nine year old boner, I suppose. But he's he's Alex's brother and uh, he wakes up and the beta unit's taken off his head or something. Yeah, I think what well, what happened was something he happened. the the beta unit and Maggie had an argument because Maggie uh, stuck her tongue in the beta unit's ear. I guess she was trying to make out with Alex and the beta unit freaked out and was like, what the hell is she doing? And so he's like trying to yeah, yeah. F- figure out, you know, what's wrong with his figure ear. Figure out his, yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Um, so then, okay, enough for that beta unit stuff. Uh, she comes in and she's like, hey, Alex, you gonna uh, wake up? And, and, and the robot's under a blanket and he's like, no. And she leaves and then they pull back the 
the blanket for a bit of a nightmare fuel for six-year-olds who weren't expecting to see one of the grossest things you could possibly see, which is this eyelidless, pulsating, gross thing that's like... And then he goes back under the blanket because he hasn't fully cooked yeah, yet. Yeah, he's not done. Or something. Yeah. Oh, okay, so Alex is going back home, but we get to meet our villains, finally. Villains. And uh, this is when we find out that uh, Zor is the fanciest peacock of the galaxy. <laughs> He's got a scepter and everything. Hokey smokey does he have a scepter. A scepter with a completely useless weapon inside of it. <laughs> he presses a switch and this little tiny dinky blade pops out of the top. And I can't help but think, did he go and have that specially made? Did he go find some poor dude? He's like, eh. I want a scepter, and I want a blade to pop out of it. And like, well, the most best we could do is for it to pop out like three inches. He's like, I'll take what I can get. Oh, I'm sorry, he wouldn't say it like that. I'll take what I can get! <laughs> the guy making it was like, you know, are you sure you just want a blade? Because you realize it's space, and everybody's got lasers and stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, then we also meet some members of the Kodan. These two dudes with walnut faces and uh, helmets... And they kind of make it clear that they're only putting up with Zur for now for um, a, uh, a reason because he's bad. What did Zur give them? Why are, why are they even accommodating him? They, they don't like him. No. They openly say while he's not listening, how much longer do we have to tolerate this fool? But what did he, did he give him? He didn't even give him access codes or anything, did I he? I don't think so. Maybe they just really wanted to, you know, shoot the shit out of Rylos. <laughs> and they figured, <laughs> yeah, this guy will help. Well, they're showing the command ship at the frontier, which is, you know, this impossibly large force field around several different solar systems. And they've opened up a hole. And they're like, hey, the hole's big enough for us to use our meteor gun. Well, that sounds bad. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, do it. And they do it. Um, they shoot the meteor gun at the only starbase that has all of their starfighters in it and all of their gun stars, because that's how you do things in the military. You have an entire, you have several star systems that have dozens of bases and lots of backup plans and tons of other stuff. Nope, everything is concentrated in one place. They shoot meteors at it, and guess what happens, Steve? Everybody dies. Everything's destroyed. Yeah. Everything dies. Everybody dies. Yeah, they shoot a meteor, and it destroys their little computer graphic headquarters no. with an awful, awful overlay explosion that looks terrible. It looks like crap. <laughs> um, but thankfully, you know, Alex and Centauri aren't there, because uh, he was being... Because Alex chickened out. That's good. Yeah, Alex. Alex decided, you know what? I, I'm going to go back home to be. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be Emperor of Earth because I'm Alex. <laughs> How can I do that if I'm here, dorking around here? So, uh, Centauri drops him off and he throws him a little communicator crystal. It looked like, oh, well, actually, he threw him a little digi. Yes. And he was like, oh, thanks. Activate this Tamagotchi, like, my good boy, if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> activate the, the Tamagotchi and I'll come back for you. <laughs> And um, he shows up, and then he meets the beta unit. And the beta unit's like, what are you doing here? You 
you, really? You abandoned everybody? <laughs> don't you care about anything other than yourself, Alex? And he's like, don't give me that. And he's like, no, seriously. We told you what's on the line. We told you that the Earth was eventually going to get attacked by the by the Zoltan Walla Walla Bing Bang, whatever their name. What are they called? The, the Codan Armada. Armada yeah. And you decided to come back here. And he's like, look, I don't need a guilt trip from like my duplicate. Yeah, shut up, robot. And then Lewis... Lewis wakes up and says something that doesn't make sense. He says, what the shit, which no one says. I'm fairly certain the script said, what the fuck? And then they had him say it, and they were like, we don't really... The nine-year-old boy is creepy and awful enough as it is. <laughs> Let's turn him into a, a, a nine-year-old Charles Bukowski. <laughs> hey, what the shit? And so he... Uh, uh, tell, they tell him to go back to sleep, and then he's pressing the crystal, the little digipet, to get uh, Centauri to come back and pick up the beta unit. And uh, while he's doing that, uh-oh. Well, uh, while, while he was down in the mobile home, a uh, dude comes up. He hitchhiked in, in, to the Starlight Sarbrite. And as he's passing by the arcade machine, um, the arcade machine uh, takes off his disguise somehow? This is just... Can you explain to me what the hell this happened? This is the cleverness of Centauri, I think. Because not only did he create yes. this arcade machine as the perfect test for who would make a good starfighter, but he also built in mm -hmm. this device in the event that the evil, whatchamacallit, Armada yes. would if send... If a Zandozan is standing in front <laughs> of it, it'll remove exactly. his disguise. He, he was probably up late one night thinking, okay, did I forget anything? Is the game done? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Anti-assassin measures. And he put those in. <laughs> And now, boy, aren't we glad that he did. Right. Oh, because remember, I forgot to cover this. Um, somehow the Kodan know that um, Alex survived the explosion thingy, the the meteor attack. And they're like, oh, well, we got to send a Zandozan to Earth to kill the last starfighter. Because that's the name of the movie is The Last Starfighter. Um See that they're earning the name of the movie. Otherwise, it would have just been called... The, <laughs> the one of many starfighters. <laughs> and so they go, okay, well, uh, we'll send Zandozans to Earth. That's fine. Hey, why don't we blow up the whole Earth? Just do it right. No one cares. It's not part of the Star League. <laughs> no, that would be smart. We're idiots up here, remember? The galaxy is populated by people who don't know how to do things. Now send some gross Zandozans out there and they are gross yeah. they got eyes next to their mouths they kind of look like the special needs predators <laughs> in a weird way they do have cool custom made binoculars though oh yeah because their eyes are really yeah. far apart and so uh Zandozan shows up tries to kill Alex um fails uh Centauri shows up shoots the arm off the Zandozan and they're like, look, um, Alex, um, this is just going to keep happening. They're just going to keep sending thousands of Zandozans down here to kill you unless you go back to the Star League and become a starfighter. And he's like, uh, uh. And he says, don't worry, the beta unit's going to be here as bait, and the Zandozans are just going to chase him around forever. And I feel sorry, for the beta unit is a robot, Okay. But it's obviously a robot that's sentient, that has feelings, that is that is savior, has thoughts and ideas, hopes, aspirations, dreams. No, that really matters. He's bait. 
And he's like, wait, wait a minute. And they're like, bye, robot. And Alex decides to go because it's the only way to save Alex's skin, basically. And Oh, and don't uh, forget that Centauri takes a hit. Before oh, that's the right. Before Cent- dies, he, he gets a shot in on Centauri. So Centauri's yeah. wounded as they're flying back to Rylos. Right, he gets shot in the, in the gut and uh, then they fly back to the Star League base that's had the middle part blown out of it. <laughs> Which was the good part, and, as it turns out. Yeah, that was the good part. And they land, and then, oh, no. Centauri dies. I think. <laughs> <laughs> they let us think he's dead, right? Because he's like, oh, well, blah. <laughs> and people say things until the next dimension, and let's get out of here. Oh, look, a corpse. Um, I bet he's really dead for real. Um, and... Now it's time for Alex to uh, train. Yeah, right? he. Well, it turns out because Grig survived. Grig survives. There, Grig. Yeah, and and it turns out there was one Gunstar left that wasn't destroyed. Mm-hmm. That also just happens to be an experimental prototype. And yeah. Alex is the only starfighter left, and Grig, I guess, is the only navigator left. Right. So they're like, let's take this brand new, untested Gunstar out, and we'll just see if we can kill everybody ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's got a the prototype has a foreshadowing yes. weapon on it where he, he's like, "What does this button do?" No, don't touch that. That's Death Blossom. That will uh, get us out of a really sticky jam at the end of the movie. Um, I it's a weapon, also known as Chekhov's Death Blossom, I believe. <laughs> if you study literature. That's right, Chekhov said, never introduce Death Blossom in first act unless Death Blossom is to be used by third exactly. act. I am Antoff Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they go flying out. Alex is a little upset that he's the only Starfighter left. Um, and But Grig seems completely okay with it. <laughs> He's like, no, it's going to be great. We're going to get, we'll take, we'll get you some target practice. We'll shape you right up. Well, once he explains what the enemy's military strategy is, and it turns out to be the dumbest military strategy ever. Basically, the military strategy for screenwriters who don't really want to have complicated endings yeah. to battles. It's the same military strategy that George Lucas uses in the Phantom Menace. Yes, <laughs> in fact. <laughs> The ships are just going to fly in. The ships are going to fly in in a straight line. (laughs) And if you destroy the communications beacon, they won't know what's going on, and they won't be able to communicate with each other, and then we just blow them all up. Convenient, huh? And he's like, all right, we'll go, I guess. Um, And they fly around, and then they meet a Kodan ship that somehow got past the wall yeah. thingy and they blow it up and then Alex is like nope oh no 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 I almost got killed again and that can't happen I'm Alex <laughs> Emperor of Earth so no uh uh-uh. uh take me take me home I'm done I don't like this whole almost getting killed stuff and Griggs like I'm judging you now dude now don't judge me I'm judging you I'm just saying I've got a wifeoid and 6,000 children at home. I'm not making that up. He says he has a wifeoid and 6,000 grigglings. 
And he show he has pictures and, in his wallet too. He, and he has pictures <laughs> in his wallet. He's got a little flip, uh, an iPhone, and he's like, "Look!" And it flips through them all, and, and it's like, "Wow, you got busy," or or that's just or, how your species does it. I'm not really sure. Yeah, or your wife hates you. I don't know how that works. I don't want to know. You're kind of gross. You look a little bit like you're made out of poo, Greg. I know you're a lizard guy, but come on. Brown, really? There's lots of lizard colors. Green's nice. <laughs> and he seems serious in all business most of the time, but then every once in a while he breaks yeah. out into this weird, like, drunk guy laugh. Like, <laughs> oh, I love Greg. You. Yeah. <laughs> Greg's drunk. He's not even part of the Star League. <laughs> Anyway, so they're hiding inside of a cave, and Griggs doing the whole guilt trip thing on Alex. And Alex starts thinking about his family, and he said, there are caves near where I live, and we used to hide at them. Oh, I've just had the greatest idea ever, and considering how stupid all of you are, no one else will ever think of it, because I'm Alex, <laughs> super genius military strategist. We'll hide in the cave and we'll wait for everyone to get inside past the barrier. And then we'll attack them from behind. Take them from behind. What do you think about that? And of course, Greg thinks that's the greatest idea ever. One ship against an entire armada. It's perfect. It'll work. Because it's a movie. I mean, because uh, he's the <laughs> it's last brilliant military strategy. What are you talking about? But we have to go back to the beta story. And in the beta story, we watch as Beta tries to get it on with Alex's girlfriend and fails miserably and then gets shot in the stomach and then uh, tells her that Alex is on somewhere else in the galaxy fighting uh, in a war and then Beta commits suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Beta realizes that he has no function or purpose outside of what he's been designed to do which is basically replicate a narcissistic earthling (laughs) And he drives because Zandozans are now are still right. after him, right? And uh, so he, instead of leaving the mobile home park, because he's kind of like, hey, all these innocent people—if there are going to be thousands of Zandozans here, all these people are going to die. I should probably leave or something. No, what the he hell with these around. people. In fact, yeah. And so, yeah, and then he gets in the truck and he's like, hey, I, I know where the signal is coming from. We're going to drive back there. And the, and the Zandozans have the cutest little spaceship ever. <laughs> this tiny little, I don't even know how they managed to fit more than one inside that spaceship. But, you know, it's this cute little thing and he rams his truck into it and there's an explosion. And uh, apropos of nothing, Maggie says up to the heavens, I love you, Alex Rogan. <laughs> And the hell with whatever that was that just got blown up. And they do it just in time because the Zandozans were about to tell the Zur and the Kodan uh, Armada that the last Starfighter was alive, but all they managed to get out was the last Starfighter. Um, and Zur goes, the last Starfighter is dead. That's what it says. Did I cover already that we're idiots? Just listen to me. We're all dumb. Okay? Just take my word for it. We're dumb. That's what it meant. The last Starfighter is dead. Well, it could have meant anything. Maybe it meant the last Starfighter is gay. You don't Look, know. Look, it means he's dead, which means I don't want anybody looking at any asteroids for gun stars when we go flying by. Okay? <laughs> he's dead, and that's the end of it. Right? We're winner. We're going to win. 
because I'm Zor. I'm going to be Emperor of Earth, I think. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure, that'll so, resonate with the audience in the theater. I'm going to take over Earth, too. <laughs> so they get past the barrier. They line up their ships in a straight, two columns in a straight line in front of the, the big ship. That was, was a big ship flying by. Oh. I think that was that a Zandozan dude. <laughs> Stop reviewing this movie! <laughs> um, and so then they... they, they uh... Oh, that's right. Uh, the Kodan guys. They've had it with Zor. <laughs> they're, they're like, no, you know what? When they come... When, when, when the last Starfighter comes out and they're like, oh, it's a Gunstar... Okay, that's it. We're done. You're, you're being led away. And Zora's like, I will kill you all. He's so great. I want a whole movie with just Zora. <laughs> he has a certain never say die uh, attitude. He has a certain, I don't, I give zero fucks about how I act, behave. <laughs> no one judge me. I do what I want to do. And uh, so the gun star starts attacking and, oh, Zora escapes. He gets an escape pod. He managed to get away from his captors to honestly look like thugs from Power Rangers. <laughs> and he manages to get away with his, his Switchblade Scepter. But that's, we don't care about that. Because we're more, we're more about, you know, the Gunstar is like shooting shooting things and they're, oh, they're losing power and oh, we gotta keep blowing up stuff. And then it's like, okay, uh, so uh, Death Blossom now? Uh, yeah, okay, Death Blossom? We, we've talked about it enough. I think we should probably do it. Okay, good. Death Blossom. Ultimate weapon, Death Blossom, and they go, they press it, and basically, the Death Blossom is the equivalent of closing your eyes and swinging wildly. (laughs) Just shooting in every direction at once. It is how a bullied nerd fights. Close your eyes and swing as wildly as possible, and basically, the ship starts spinning around, shooting all of its weapons everywhere. (laughs) And it works because the enemy fleet was kind enough to draw in close yeah, to enable him to do that. Them. Yeah. And, so, and apparently they got all of their fighter pilots from the Empire because they can't shoot for shit and they can't hit them even though they're a stationary target <laughs> that's just sitting there right in front of them. So all the ships are gone, but now they're out of power and um, the Kodan dude goes, hey, let's ram them with our ship. Can we just shoot him with the cannons? No, ram him with the ship. We we have cannons on this ship. I don't care. I said ram them. Okay. okay. That's right. I forgot. We're all dumb. Okay. <laughs> they they try to ram the Gunstar, and then Grig does something and gets power, and they fly out of the way, and this big ship gets caught in the gravitational pull of the moon and crashes into it and blows up and they're all dead and everyone comes out and is like yay Alex and everyone's cheering and Alex is like this is more like it (laughs) (laughs) this is what this is how it's supposed to be people cheering for me Alex this is this is how my life was supposed to be why didn't anyone tell me they'd be cheering my name? I would have joined in a long time ago. I'm Alex. Do you <laughs> me? Yeah. I'm awesome. And I'm all the only one of something now. 
He's not just the last starfighter. He's the only starfighter. Hey, I want to change the name to Alex Fighters. Is that good? <laughs> uh, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and so everyone's yippying because they were defeated. And, oh, but uh, Ambassador Exposition's like, oh, we don't have any more starfighters. And the the wall, the, our shield wall's been breached. And uh, you're going to stay, right, Alex, and help us? And he's like, of course I am. I'm Alex. <laughs> Jeez. And asked twice? It's me. What hope do you have without uh, me? Like, okay. Oh, and by the way, you know that dude that you, uh, we all pre- acted like he was dead? Yeah, he's not. Here he is. <laughs> <laughs> this alien dude with glowing eyes walks up and he whips out his little magic trip trick with the handkerchief and puts his human face on. And he's like, oh, I just went in, went dormant to repair my body. <laughs> Fuck you, movie. That's cheap. I'm sorry, that's cheap. That's cheap, manipulative they, cheapness. They injected him with... Khan's blood and he was yeah. resurrected and then stuff it and then what happened Steve <laughs> they would well, yeah they, they Alex and, and Grig go back to Earth and yeah. uh, the gun star like lands in the trailer park and everybody gathers around uh-huh. excited as if someone was playing a video game but it's not it's Alex returning from space <laughs> they all came out someone playing a video game again <laughs> I was there the night he beat that high score Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, oh, it's just a spaceship. It isn't someone playing a video game. Call me back out of my mobile home when it's someone beating a video game. You let game. me know when someone gets close Everybody to a million Everybody go points. home. It's just a ship from another planet. <laughs> so they all gather around, and of course it's it's Alex and Grig. And Alex yep. is like, hey, Mom, yeah, I was in space. And I'm yeah. oh, and the the person who was here the last couple of days out was a robot that wasn't me. So anyway, um, and I, I have to I have to yeah. go again. I'm going back to space. I might not ever come back, but uh, I just came to say you know hello and goodbye and pick up my girlfriend because she's coming with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that that's 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 it. That's all I'm doing. Remember how I said I was better than all of you? Here's proof. Look, spaceship, savior <laughs> of the universe, it. me. Alex, Alex Rogan, super king of, that's me. All the rest of you people, little dirt, I'm going to forget you the moment I get back on this ship. You'll be lucky if I don't blow up Earth when I leave. And Greg's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Because <laughs> Greg comes down too. Greg comes yeah. down and he's like, oh, here's my friend Greg. He's an alien. And everyone freaks out a little bit. And when he laughs, um, he sounds just like Herman Munster. And he's like, no, Alex Alex saved everybody, including Earth's kind of. Everyone should be really super impressed. See? <laughs> the alien confirmed everything I know about myself. <laughs> and then he went up to Maggie and he's like, hey, Maggie, uh, if you had plans, you know, dreams about yourself, why, why follow them? <laughs> Come with me to go live on another planet to be my girlfriend some more. What will I do there? You'll be my Girlfriend, you'll be Mrs. Last Starfighter. <laughs> you'll bask in my in my reflect in my reflected glory. That's what you, you. What else could you possibly want? You'll be with me. You won't really have a job, but hey, you know what? They're all idiots. So you could probably you could do, do whatever you want. want up there. And she's like, "Well, but what about Granny? What about our friends? I'm yeah, going to city and, oh, college." Oh, by the way, Alex. I know that the, everything that, but that you felt about yourself has been verified because you're now 
king fuck of the universe or whatever. But you're also right about me because at the very beginning of this movie, he was like, you're just afraid to leave. You're drag. You're a boat anchor dragging me down, Maggie. I want big things, and you just want to keep staying here because you're afraid of of moving on. And so, of course, at the end of the movie, she confirms it. Yeah, I'm afraid of leaving. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to leave the mobile home park. I'm scared. And it's not that and bad, like, don't worry. really. <laughs> My ego will protect you, Maggie. <laughs> it's like Superman's aura. As long as she stays close to him, the ego will, you know, sort of envelope her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The point is, Maggie, um, if I go back up there to that planet, their women are really super ugly. I mean, just not... They, they get, it's like cute, 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 and then you reach the forehead and it's like all knee. And I don't want that. I don't want to date a knee head. I don't even want to know what their genitalia looks like. I had to come back here and get Poon, and I could have chosen anybody. I'm superhero. I chose you, Maggie. Come on. No. All right, bye. And he gets on the <laughs> ship. And Maggie's like, Granny, um, bye. <laughs> and she decides to leave. They get on the thing, and they get into the ship, and the ship takes off. And for some reason, these rubes seem to think that this event that was witnessed by nobody other than the people in the mobile home park is going to become world famous. <laughs> Even though Grig says out loud, we can't hold off radar for much longer. So not even the government is aware that the <laughs> ship has landed. It's not like it's Mulder and Scully are going to show up two days later going, <laughs> actually, that would be the perfect sequel <laughs> be, to this That movie. would be the best X-Files episode ever. Mulder, <laughs> I think it's obvious that these well, people are delusional. Well, I'll tell you. There was a man named Alex here, and he beat a video game. And then he went and saved the galaxy and came back for his girlfriend. Scully, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, even I will admit these people are full of shit. We just have to go. I'm sorry. I apologize. I've embarrassed you. I've embarrassed myself. <laughs> the truth is not in this trailer park. So... Then Alex takes off in in off back to to have his new big life adventure out in space, and his little brother uh, immediately goes to start playing the video game because I guess he wants what Alex got. I guess um, he wants to be the, the next end. Starfighter. <laughs> yeah. He wants to be the, which would have been the sequel if this movie had been popular enough to merit one. <laughs> Because they kind of set it up for the idea that there would be They one. left enough loose ends dangling that they could have done something. Yeah, Zor, Zor escape, the, the, the frontier is down, um, there's no other starfighters, and um, yeah, it could have been a sequel called The Next Starfighter, but or Alex's Fighting Starfighters, <laughs> or uh, Alex Saves the Universe Again, or Hey Fuckos, I'm Alex. Or- Pay attention to me. Or, or Alex King shit of Fuck Mountain. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, Steve, what's your opinion of The Last Starfighter? You know, this is one of those movies where, I, I honestly, I mean, I don't think anyone would say that it's a great movie. 
there are many times when you would even be hard pressed to call it a good movie, but but there are I I, I can't <laughs> help but have like a, a an affectionate feeling for this movie. I I oh yeah, I, it's and part of I think what I like about it is that it is so modest, uh, unlike its hero. <laughs> Um, the, the movie itself is very modest, both in... Okay, I will say in Alex's defense, I took a couple of little personality traits of Alex's and I exaggerated yeah. them to grotesque He's not actually that egomaniacal in the film, he's but... He's kind of a... He's a pretty understandable guy. I mean, he, he flip-flops back and forth and he doesn't want to get killed. I think that would be a normal response to anyone that got abducted by aliens and then been told that he's been recruited to fight in a war uh, for idiots <laughs> who don't seem to have any military strategy or real defenses. But, you know... But, yeah, but you when, saying... when, you know, when you look at this movie and it is... it's. It's less than two hours long. It's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. In fact, it's it's almost too straightforward. There really aren't any twists and turns at all, except maybe Centauri coming out alive at the end. Ugh, uh, there I mean, that felt so much like audience. Yeah, testing. the yeah, I, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like, well, they they really like Centauri, though. <laughs> yeah. um, I like Centauri too, but I mean, uh, yeah. it takes it really takes out that whole scene. Which I will admit, when I saw it when I was 15, I was sad that Centauri died. It's actually a, a fairly decent death scene in, in, in this movie. Yeah. And um, they just ripped the guts yeah. out of it by having him pop back up It at does. The well, the thing, and the unfortunate thing about having him come back at the end is it sort of, it, it overwrites the redemption of that character in that death scene. Because he's always mm-hmm. been, he's portrayed up to that point as being kind of a mercenary. He's just recruiting Alex so he can get paid. For, for money. money, yeah, he's all about getting and, money. And then as and... he dies, he's like, "Don't forget, I brought you back for a greater purpose." You know. Well, he—that's modified. He says, "I brought you back for a greater purpose," but being being uh, rich never hurt anything. What is it? Yeah, but yeah, being rich. Didn't but hurt. so, and then it's like, "Oh, I'm alive." You know, the only people yeah. who died were robots and uh, and, and, and faceless people. <laughs> robots and bad and, and faceless uh, villains. That's it. But there's something about. I mean, it's it's very straightforward. It's not complicated. It's not pretentious. Uh, it, it it goes exactly where you think it's going. It sticks very closely to that sort of classic coming of age formula where there's the the kid who wants to get out of his hometown and go. It's an ultimate adolescent yeah. fantasy. It literally, it's like, hey, um, gamer, wouldn't it be cool if the video game you were playing was actually a test and then aliens showed up and then you got to be in the video game for real and you were a big life hero and everyone loved you? Well, that's what this movie is. And I am, I was surprised that they have not attempted a remake of this, but I, I looked into it and there are legal reasons why this there hasn't been a remake because they don't know who has the rights oh, to it. It's currently up in contention, and hopefully it'll stay that way. Because I don't know if I want to see a remake of it, despite the fact that there are certain parts of this movie that could desperately, desperately need to be redone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not a perfect movie. It's not a great movie. But you when know, you look at, you know, the big, like, franchise anchoring sci-fi movies that come out today, some of which yeah. are really great, but some of which are just exhausting. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. nice to see a movie that is an hour and a half long. 
It has a very simple story with a very simple protagonist, and you know you can relate to him. You understand what he wants. You understand what motivates yeah. him, and it's not challenging at all. It's not really no. innovative, but it's relatively well executed. They hit predictable beats, but they hit them pretty solidly, and it's just yeah. a good, enjoyable movie. And that's what I appreciate about it. It's it's like it's like a, a home cooked meal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it was a movie that was made for you to go to the theater, eat popcorn, have a good time, and then it just washes off of you the moment you leave the theater. You know, I, it, for some people, I'm sure it stuck with them for a little while as one of their favorites, depending on what age they saw it at or whatever. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not attempting to be anything other than entertaining. You know, it's it's not there aren't bigger there aren't bigger. Um, moral implications behind anything that anybody's doing. It's a very straightforward black and white good versus evil, which is exemplified in the near Flash Gordon-esque yeah. villains in this in this movie. <laughs> I am I will say straightforward. There is a ton in this movie that I really love and appreciate because sci-fi has gotten overly complicated and it has to have this deeper kind of it has to be saying things about our society or whatever. And it's kind of nice to watch a sci-fi movie that does not do that. Yeah. Is not trying to make a statement about, you know, like Blumkamp is making huge things about the, the you know, I, I'm fairly certain he hates the uh, 1%. At this <laughs> point, he's like, nope, I, everything I'm going to be, everything that I'm going to make a movie about is going to be a statement about our current yeah. society. Which is fine, don't get me wrong, when it's done well, it's great. But it has a lot of a lot of sci-fi lately has been super serious and not fun and you know and it's it's nice to watch a movie that is just yeah. fun. It's just they're not putting a huge amount of thought in. We made fun of all the the, the huge amount of no no thought <laughs> that went into this movie, and there is there's a ton of it. You can tear this film apart easily. You could do it with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it by just glancing at it too hard. Um, but that, in a way, that kind of adds to the appeal, though, because the charm. Yeah, of it, it, it yeah. feels it feels like 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 an old pulp fiction story or like an adventure comic, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. of course, yeah, the stories in those were always paper thin, and the plots just seemed like something that the writer came up with that morning when he was up against a deadline. But if you like that yeah. sort of thing, which I really do, if you if you appreciate that tone and that sense of, oh, this feels like somebody just sat down and wrote it and said the hell with this, you know, it, yeah. it really works on that level. Yeah. Um, the uh, few quibbles that I have about the film itself is simply that one of the reasons, one of the bigger problems are the special effects. They're all really super early CGI. In fact, this was like the second film outside of Tron to use computer graphics um, for its special effects, and boy, was it not ready. Um, but they, one of the things they said was, we saved a lot of money doing it. And yeah, you can tell. Yeah. Because um, the planet looks like it's made out of plastic. Everything does not look real. It's just kind of... It, they may as well have just cut to regular 2D animation. <laughs> and when they when they showed any of the space stuff or any of the spaceships or anything anything at all because it all looks horribly bad, the science in it is awful. 
meteors don't work that way. They don't slowly tumble once they reach Earth, uh, reach an atmosphere. <laughs> and, um, but uh, one of my my bigger problems is the cinematography and the filming when they're on Earth looks like a straightforward film. It feels like a, a nice big film. And I mentioned this earlier on during the recap. It feels like it kind of feels like a like a Spielberg yeah. movie in a weird way, um, but it feels filmic. It feels cinematic, and once they start getting into the science fiction stuff, you can really feel where the budget kind of fell. Yeah, because there's nothing. They're, they're not bringing us anything new. Everything is is gray and kind of straightforward and. Um, Kind of unimaginative in a in a in a in a strange way. the The ships aren't remarkable. It's it, there's a reason why I don't think many people remember what a gun star looks like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or what the the Kodan Armada ships look like, or what the uniforms were like, because it was all kind of off the rack, um, you know, taupe yeah. and khaki and gray. And even the makeup for the aliens was kind of like, what are we going to do for all these aliens? Well, give them big knee foreheads. <laughs> oh, okay. And while that will work for a TV show that has to do that week after week after week after week, hello, Star Trek, <laughs> You, when you're approaching a movie, you're expecting a, a, a kind of a, a step up to a certain level of, of, of quality. You, I was expecting, I was hoping... That it would feel cinematic when I rewatched this, when I <laughs> watched yeah. it again, and it kind of the whole everything in space, everything at the Star League, feels flat and rushed and not thought out, and it it it's kind of jarring when you compare and contrast between the two, between the the reality of the mobile home park and the the reality that they're trying to establish with the Star League and all this other stuff. It's kind of like, I wouldn't really want to go back to the Star League either. It's kind of boring, and all the people are ugly. And <laughs> If there were a few more Centauris, maybe, but I don't know. So, uh, but other than that, uh, Steve, would you recommend The Last Sure, Starfleet? I would recommend it. Yeah, it's it's a good popcorn movie. It's a good movie to if, yeah. if, if if you're looking for something to watch on you know a Saturday night. There's nothing on TV. There's nothing on Netflix. You know, it's it's yeah. a really entertaining. It's not going to insult no. you. It's not going <laughs> to. And it's not going to ask of a great deal of your time. And it's it's no. likable. It's entertaining. It's got Robert Preston in it. <laughs> I mean, what the hell yeah. more do you want? It's got Robert Preston. You can't go wrong with Robert Preston. Oh, and and to go back, uh, the performance, the the people, the acting is good. Yeah. There's no, there's no standout ugh at any point. Even Greg, who is played by the same guy who plays the evil old man from the Robocop yeah. movies, um, is really good. He's actually adopting a character because you wouldn't, until I did my investigation into this movie, I had no idea that was the yeah, same guy. Yeah. And as you mentioned when you talked about Zor, even the bad performances are, are bad in a good way. I mean, oh, they're so yeah. oh, they're so delicious. <laughs> oh, I wish we could get more performances like that in movies now where a person just goes, I'm going to be as evil <laughs> and just unrealistic as possible. Like bug-eyed, sneering, yeah. awful. <laughs> like Klaus Kinski all coked up. 
like a young Palpatine. You know, it's like Palpatine the high school years. <laughs> when he was a when he was a moody goth teenager. I'm going to destroy the student council. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Um, you know, gooey, yucky monsters, things that don't make sense, robots, spaceships, uh, precocious. I hate precocious. They could have gotten rid of Lewis altogether. What was he there yeah. for, other than to be this gross little kid <laughs> that he had to share a room with? It's just, ugh. Yeah. Could you imagine being his brother and just the constant creaking from the uh, the upper oh. bunk? Because he's got his Playboys out again. You hear him reaching under the mattress, and you just roll over and put the pillow (laughs) over your head. And loudly going, where are you? Where, where's, where are you, Priscilla? And he's like finding the one that I guess has the best boobs or whatever. (laughs) So gross, Lewis. You're the centerfold, and this one has those new fake boobs. I hope to God you never beat that video game, because then there would be a sequel. Lewis is the next last, next to last (laughs) Starfighter. Yeah, keep that kid on Earth. Yeah, because he's he won't care about the. The knee Star heads. League is like sending people down to bump him to knock him out of the way, so he doesn't hit the high score. <laughs> Oops, sorry, kid. Better luck next time. And what happens when someone invariably does a game genie on freaking Centauri's video game system, and now everybody's beating it? And then there's a bunch of people, a bunch of cheaters <laughs> who use cheat codes to get past the video <laughs> game, and they're like, "Here's another one," and they're like, "Ding! I'm a Starfighter now." Oh, great! All right, come on. Rules are rules. We're going bankrupt. We keep having to buy these things called Cheetos and Mountain Dew from Earth to keep feeding the starfighters. They're obese. They never get up out of their chairs. They don't even do anything. (laughs) Except go online and complain. (laughs) They've got some really shitty attitudes about women. Oh, wow. You just had to bring that up during our movie review, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just got SJW all over it. Sweaty, socially conscious fingerprints all over everything. Look, I'm a, I'm a gamer. You're. I'm you're sort not. of, kind of one. No, I'm not really. <laughs> you're a pass. You're I'm, a. Passive I'm an occasional gamer. Ga- yeah, I'm a, pa- a passive gamer. If you put a game in front of me, I'll try to play. It. <laughs> you secondhand game. <laughs> That's what you do. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna recommend the Last Starfire. Go watch it. It's fun. It's it's good. It's a good time, right? A, Is there any movies that you would like to recommend? Yeah, actually, there, this movie. Watching this movie uh, reminded me of a couple of movies from my from my youth uh, that had a similar feel, had a similar vibe to them. Um, and the movie I've chosen to recommend is a movie that I actually did really get into when I was a kid when it first came out in theaters um, called The Flight of the Navigator. Oh, you stole Which mine. Is... Now i got to go on Google and find another one. <laughs> there are like three that I was thinking of. Um, we, need, we, really need, we really need to coordinate these recommendations. Um, no, never. You just keep talking <laughs> okay. while I look on Google. While Jason frantically searches for another recommendation, I will tell you that the flight of the... <laughs> Battle Beyond the Stars? No. Oh, let me... i got to find something. The Flight of the Navigator is a, is a story. It's, a, it's, it's very much like The Last Starfighter in that it's, it's about a, a, a child, in this case, not a teenager, but like Alex is, but he's 12 years old, and 
he is sort of caught up in this big adventure that he didn't really ask for. Uh, he is abducted when he's out in the woods, and then he's sort of plopped back down on Earth a short time later, except it turns out that it's like eight years in the future. And he's still 12 years old, but his family has grown up. His, his little brother is now his big brother, and all these weird things are happening. And then... Because for once, someone took uh, light speed travel yeah. seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and also, there's this weird silvery spaceship with Pee Wee Herman's voice. <laughs> not all the first. Is super yeah, not serious. all the time, but uh, but it's voiced by Paul Rubens, who's better known as Pee Wee Herman, and he does kind of do the Pee Wee voice yeah. a little bit later in the film. But it's it's a movie. Yeah. That... So if you want to see a movie where Pee Wee Herman has a little boy inside <laughs> him, go see that. I just. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what should have been on the poster, honestly. Um, but I just... <laughs> I've got a little boy inside <laughs> me. <laughs> Come inside me, little boy. Oh, that sounds wrong. Um, oh, where hey, are we what's going? going on? <laughs> well, hello. Anyway, um, but no. Uh, <laughs> it's a movie that I just remember oh. seeing in, when it came out in theaters, and when I was like six years old, and I begged my mom to take me to see it because the trailers made it look so cool, and I. Mm loved it for when I was a kid so it's it's a movie that I have really great wonderful memories of and like The Last Starfighter it's the sort of thing that you can watch and if it's your kind of thing you'll enjoy it and it won't change your life mm. it won't challenge your perception of the world it's just a really nice feel good adventure popcorn movie uh, and there you go yeah. Flight of the Navigator way to go well I was going to save this recommendation for a later review but I'm going to recommend it now Flash Ooh. Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, came out in the early 80s. It was not t- supposed to be taken seriously. The special effects are <laughs> awful. <laughs> uh, it has, you know, the the famous Queen soundtrack. Um, and it stars possibly my favorite interpretation of Ming the Merciless ever by uh, Max von Sydow. An- again, another over-the-top fantastic villain by a probably one of my favorite actors ever um just being allowed to be as hammy as he wants and he doesn't overham it that much he kind of underplays ming in a in a in a weird way in that movie but it is a campy um not to be taken seriously really at all movie and it is again Dude on Earth goes to another planet and saves everybody. Um, Full disclosure, I am a massive Flash Gordon fan. I love the aesthetic of the classic Flash Gordon series. Um, Not just of the serials, but specifically of the original comic. Um, And I will not say that this is a faithful reinterpretation of it. Because it isn't. It was modernized to a certain extent. Um... But, uh, you know, hot babes, uh, Brian Blessed flying around and laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Scientists getting all their memories sucked out. You know, really cool sword fights with real swords in space-times rocket ships. Um, Gooey aliens that melt when you kill them. (laughs) Clytus. If you don't know who Clytus is, Clytus is my favorite henchman ever. (laughs) I love you, Clytus. You'll ever live in my heart. I don't care what happened to you in the movie. <laughs> uh, 
Um, it came out in the early 80s. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. But please do not go expecting it to be dramatic or engaging. Please go expecting it to be campy and don't take any of it seriously at any point ever at all. There are long, there are semi-long weird parts. Um, the design element to it is really funky. Um, like to the point in which you can't believe they're in space at all. <laughs> Um, for any reason <laughs> whatsoever. There's a point where a disembodied ghost Ming destroys an airplane at the very beginning. That's the kind of movie I'm talking about. Go see it. Flash Gordon. It's good. I wish I could remember the guy who played Flash Gordon. Do you remember the guy? Who oh, shit. Um, Sam something. Sam, Sam Jones. Sam Hunky McMahon Jones. Sam Jones. <laughs> Sam Jones plays uh, Flash Gordon, and he does a fairly decent job, believe it or not. Um, and you know, some people may complain that there's a lot of cheesecake in it with skimpy girls, but they pay that back by having him wander around in a little leather yeah. bikini for, just for the ladies. <laughs> so it's an equal opportunity offender in that respect. Um, so Flash Gordon, yay. All right, I'm done with space, okay. Steve. The it's all done. It. We're not doing another... Yeah. You know what's you know what's next. What's, you know coming, what's up? coming up? <gasps> oh, October. You know what that movies. means? Ooh. Scary movies. At least two scary shows for October. Two classic scary movies that we're either going to hate or love. <laughs> and right now, on, according to our balance sheet, we pretty much hate everything. <laughs> I can't wait to hate on some classic horror movies. <laughs> So we don't know what it's going to be yet. We haven't made a decision, as uh, I think, no. definitively as to uh, what classic horror movies are out there. Who knows? Maybe it'll be, uh, maybe it'll be The Exorcist. Oh, 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 that's, oh. that's a possibility. Maybe it'll be, uh, maybe it'll be the thing. Maybe it'll be oh, Gremlins. Gremlins. Uh, yeah, that's possible. Any that's a scary. Yeah, movie, right? don't especially if you feed them after midnight. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll be Halloween for Halloween. That's a considered a. That's actually really considered a noteworthy film. People reference Absolutely. it constantly. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's in our trick or treat bag of Ooh. treats? That's right. I'm pushing Halloween, and it's not even. Well, this comes out on October first, so I guess technically this should have been our first Halloween show. Eh, screw it. I fucked up. Oh God, I, I ruined uh, the podcast. Now nobody will listen. Now that now that they realize you're just as incompetent <laughs> as the Star League. You know what? From here on out, we're going to do themed shows around whatever holiday falls within the month that we're doing them. <laughs> I can't wait till and Arbor you're Day. You're going to like it. You hear me? That's when we're going to do Lord of the Rings because of the ends. <laughs> you're going to hear. You know, I'm going to make Steve watch oh, all of them. The uncut ones, the director oh. cut. We're going to have to watch all of the Lord of the Rings all so 12 hours. I'm going to have to just start watching on Sunday and get it, and it'll be done by like Saturday night the following week. Clear your schedule, dude. I'm gonna have me. I'm gonna force you to see. see. I know that he doesn't like them, and and I I love them. That would be a great. That's gonna be a great show once they're considered classics and they don't meet our standards yet. They don't. They're not. They're that's, not ten years old. No. I, well, no. I don't think so. I think well, one the of first them is, one right? is. Yeah. Well, Second maybe they are. Maybe oh, they no, are. They maybe, you know, they're yeah, because they came out in two thousand one, two thousand two, and two thousand three, right? Yeah. So I they're, they're so. ten years old. Oh shit! Uh-oh. So we can do this. So we can do them at any time, <laughs> is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so prepare for that to be the last show we do. 
as we go to blows over <laughs> the Lord of the Rings sometime in the future. Oh, uh, yeah. All depends on how long we want to preserve yeah, this know. friendship. If you start getting and sick of me. No, actually, <laughs> look, I we've, it would only be fair because we did the Hulk. That's true. We did, I'm sorry, Hulk. That's right. There is, the there is no Hulk, article in that title. It's just Hulk. That's right, which is one is... <laughs> which changes the meaning of the movie altogether. <laughs> All right, that's it. Um, do you guys agree with us? Disagree with us? Do you hate The Last Starfighter more than relatives? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Hey, do you have problems with all your relatives? You hate The Last Starfighter more than the people you have problems with? Boy, that makes no sense. That makes no sense at all. Do you hate The Last Starfighter more than... Oh, it's something that people universally hate, Steve. Nazis? <laughs> if you hate The Last Starfighter more than Nazis, I don't want Please to Please don't contact you. us. Please don't leave a comment. Nazis need to be at the very <laughs> bottom. That needs to be nothing. I don't hate anything more than Nazis. <laughs> If you're like, I hate this ice cream more than Nazis, you, no, oh stop, boy. Stop, No, don't talk. <laughs> but if you did, let us know. Leave a comment on SoundCloud or leave us an email on the contact page at the Let Me Listen podcast website and let us know. If you have suggestions for something that we can review for October for the Halloween stuff, leave go go to the contact page. Send us an email. We'll probably read it. I will, at the very least. I try sending them to Steve, but he says, leave me alone. <laughs> How many times do I have to block that email? <laughs> He's like, don't I give you enough of your enough I don't want to hear from our fans. I'm, I'm Steve Shives. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess, they loved it. I'm destined for great things. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm Jason Harding, and I actually am doing the outro by making fun of the movie, by referencing, see, it's nice, called a callback. Classy. I'm just going to ramble. Screw it. This is going to be two hours of ramble, everyone. Put on your seatbelts. Even... Tie them together like Alan Grant, because we're, <laughs> we're going in on this helicopter called the outro. They haven't even talked about the movie for like half an hour. <laughs> Jason just seems confused and weird. He's I think he's on goof juice he or something. He gets really angry all Steve's of Steve's just taking it. Did you hear him? He just insulted Steve right to his face by implying that he has an ego big, as big as Alex Rogan. He doesn't even care. I'm sorry, but that's impossible. No one has an ego as big as Alex Rogan does. He is the last Starfighter. I mean, I feel that's like he right. earned it. He's yeah. up there right now protecting <laughs> exactly. us. Exactly. From the, from the idiots in the Star He's up there League. right now in his late 40s. <laughs> well, we won't let Earth into the Star League until you've become ex- exponentially stupider. When all of your armies are in one place on one island, then we'll come. <laughs> Congratulations, Earthlings. You finally figured out tactics. <laughs> Put everything in one place. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Someone from the Federation needs to teach these guys about everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, if they were the Federation, they'd have one starship, one starbase. <laughs> <laughs> the Klingons would have wiped the floor with them! Yeah, I'm, uh, this is not one of Worf's favorite movies. <laughs> Worf, like, throws things at the screen when he's on TV. <laughs> it doesn't help matters much that they put him in a holodeck yeah. simulation of the last Worf, Starfighter. <laughs> stop strangling all the characters. <laughs> 
These people are idiots. I can't help it, Captain. <laughs> or if it's just a hollow movie, dude. <laughs> These tactics make no sense. The audience is like, oh shit, they're on Star Trek. They're never gonna. This will never I... end. I gotta check the length of time on this episode. <laughs> Pack a lunch, everybody. <laughs> All right, no, yes, I'm gonna yes. put them out of their misery. Okay, for late seating, this has been Jason Harding <laughs> and Steve Shives. And go see a movie this week. Hey, Jason, I have a complaint. When, oh, when I when I was a teenager, I got the high score on WWF Wrestling Challenge. And do you think? <laughs> Do you think Vince McMahon sent someone to pick me up in a DeLorean? No. <laughs> hey, brother, who beat the WWF? <laughs> the WWF challenge. Oh, yeah. We're here to pick up the next world championship wrestler. <laughs> I'm going to join the Mega Powers and get out of this <laughs> crappy town. I'm sorry your dream did not come true, Steve. How do you know it didn't? It didn't. Oh. It didn't. <laughs> Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.